get me wrong, there's been seasons in my life where I'm like, God, where are you? But when I look at my whole life, I go, man, you have been too good for me to not believe that you're real. You have been too good for me to not believe that you care. You have been too good for me to not believe that you're here. You have been way too good for me. <laughs> way too good for me to not believe. Last week when Scott Hagen was preaching, he was talking about where he grew up and it made me think of where I grew up and it was messed up. It was crazy, you know? My family, so much abuse and brokenness and alcoholism and drug addiction and police and growing up in trailer parks. I remember one time trying to sell my helmet to the lady at the caravan park. What do you call that? Trailer park at the check-in thing so I could have some food or something, you know, like we would, we would, um, we would wash ourselves in the river, a crocodile infested river with dad on the shore with a rifle just in case one pops up its head because we didn't have water. And people think that where you begin matters. And I'm not saying I'm something. I'm not saying that at all. But my family's divorced, brokenness everywhere. And people think that where you begin matters. And if that's true, then I don't know how I'm here. I don't know how I got a wife who loves me 80% of the time. That's the 80% of the time where I'm not near her. And uh, I got five kids that love me. I got five kids that I love. I got a wife that I love. We live in a house with running water and no crocodiles. Life's gone good. God has prospered my life. And the more I say yes to Him, the more He has prospered my life. And I don't know who you are here, but I gotta tell you that where you are right now doesn't matter and doesn't have to dictate where you will be in 20 years. It doesn't have to. Where you were born and where you grew up, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not that it's not important, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to speak to your future. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, if you say yes to Him, anything is possible. More importantly than anything being possible, that God's good plan for your life will start to outwork itself in your life. You know, He's good, isn't He? God is better than how bad your beginning was. God's goodness is bigger than the devil's badness. It doesn't matter what He's thrown at you, God can work it together for your benefit, amen? And I'm not saying that I've made it or anything like that. I'm just, but if you knew where I was, I feel like it's, it's, it's a lot better. It's a, it's a lot better. It's, you know, my kids don't even know what it's like to send your dogs across the river first. No idea what that's all about. They think you're sending them over there for fun. We're, no, we're doing a croc check. You know, they don't even know. Ah, God's good, isn't He? Amen.
hey, if you're away from Jesus, I want, to, I want you to give him your life now. I'm going to preach a sermon in a minute, and it's a sermon for believers. It's a sermon to bless believers. So before I preach it, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be a believer so that the message I'm about to preach, you can apply to your life. So if you're away from God, you need to give Him your life today. In fact, if you're not a believer and you only came here hoping to get some good advice, this whole sermon is useless to you because it's for believers. Okay? This sermon is for believers. And so God is good and He has good plans for you. But if you're not a believer, they're not going to happen. Okay? All the pain and the brokenness of your past, I hope you're looking forward to more of that if you're not a believer. I don't say it to be mean. I say it because I know it's true. And because I love you and I want you to have a better life, it's got to come from a relationship with Jesus Christ, not from coming to this church. That's after you say yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. You came here and you're going to meet Jesus. But coming here every week but never giving your life to Jesus, it's not going to fix anything in your life at all. You need to give your life to Jesus, step one. Okay? And I want you to live a better life. So if you would do me a favor, do yourself a favor, I'm going to pray a prayer. I want you to repeat it back with me one line at a time. I'll say it one line, you repeat it back one line. Okay? Give your life to Christ. Scripture says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. And I believe that to be true. So I'm going to say this prayer and I want you to pray it with me. In fact, could all of you guys and everybody else, could you all pray this prayer with us so that those who are praying it for the first time don't have to pray it alone, okay? So we'll all do it together. But if you're away from God, you especially pray this prayer. Mean it in your heart. Get right with God and prepare yourself for a life-changing word after that. Amen? So everybody together, repeat after me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on a cross for my sin. And He rose again to give me life, hope, joy, peace, and eternal life. I receive it all. I receive this new life with You as Lord and Savior. And I ask for Your help to live my life Your way because I repent of all my sin. And I ask for your help to leave it in the past. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God some praise. All right, before I preach, I just want to do two things. Number one, if you prayed that prayer, text the word SAVE to the number 515-335-0335. You can see it yet. The glass has helped me see it before you. So, um, and then, um, and then, or you can scan this barcode. We're just going to send you a Bible in the mail this week, okay? Also, I want to pray for you. So, if everyone could close their eyes and bow their heads, nobody looking around. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you prayed that prayer, I want to pray for you real quick before I preach this the word, okay? So, if you prayed that prayer on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand for five seconds so I know who I'm praying for. I'm not going to point you out, tell everyone who you are or anything like that, but I want to know who I'm praying for, okay? So on the count of three, lift up your hand. One, two, three. Shoot up your hand and hold it up for five seconds. One, two, three, four, five, six, 
seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You can bring it. Come on. You can put your hands down. Come on, let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for 11 or 12 people in this service that just said yes to you. They got right with you before the sermon was preached, but because the Holy Spirit is moving. God, already just in this moment, you've been too good for them to not believe. And so God, I just pray that you would minister to them, that your Holy Spirit would comfort them, that you would protect the seed that's been planted in their hearts. That, Lord God, you would help them to recognize your voice. Lord God, and to say yes to your way. That they would choose to live your way over the world's way. And that they would find out really fast that your way is better. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. All right, Proverbs chapter 3. Are you ready? All right, all right, all right. We launch our new sermon series today, Live Long and Prosper. Live long and prosper, all right? And in naming this sermon series, I outed myself as a Trekkie. And, um, but whatever. I want you to live long and I want your life to prosper. Amen? And uh, can I tell you, the more of your life that you line up with God's Word, the more your life will prosper, okay? I'm not saying you're going to be rich. Uh, I am saying, though, that you are going to prosper, okay? Prosper doesn't mean you got to become the richest guy on earth. Prosper means your life is prospering. There's traction. It's growing. It's increasing. It's getting better and better and better as you say yes to God and as you say yes to God's ways. Amen. And so I'm going to ask you to to listen to this sermon, but remember that there are things that God wants you to do so that you can prosper. Amen. All right. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to be rich. I'm going to preach on health. I'm not saying that you're going to look like the, the biggest stud on earth if you eat one salad, um, but, um, but that your life will be better God's way than it is the world's way. Amen? And so we're going to talk about a whole bunch of uh, areas of your life that God wants to prosper you in because He's a good Father, isn't He? Right? Uh, who of you, if your son asks for a stick, is going to give him a stank, right? Who of you, if your son asks for a loaf of bread, is going to give him a rock, right? Jesus said that. And he goes, no, you wouldn't do that, even though you're evil compared to God. So how much more then will God give good gifts to those who ask? Because he's a good father, amen? And, and, and honestly, if you don't believe, like for, to not believe that God wants to bless you, you have to be stubbornly devoted to poverty, like just stubbornly devoted to it, right? And again, I'm not saying that people who are poor aren't, no, no, no. I'm just saying God does want to bless you in every area of your life, okay? Like, and and I'm going to read you one passage that just perfectly sums up about 800 other passages today, okay? Uh, I've read probably 200 passages this week because even though I know I want to read again and affirm so that I can get it right, I don't want to preach something that's not right, but I've read a lot of passages on God blessing you financially, uh, emotionally, uh, relationally, uh, physically, all of that, all right? But there's this one passage I want to read to you today and, uh, and this one passage alone for you to believe that God's not a good father, for you to believe that God doesn't want to bless you, you've got to be stubbornly devoted to a dreadful life. And I don't want to be that. There's just too much evidence in Scripture that He's a good Father and that good fathers do in fact want to bless their children. Okay? So let's read from Proverbs chapter 3 right now. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. 
Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and in the sight of man. So you will what? Find favor and good success in the sight of man and God, right? Come on now. Then trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God. In all your ways acknowledge God and all your ways acknowledge God and he might straighten some of your paths uh, sorry it's sorry this is Lauren's Bible I left mine at home and I like reading a physical Bible so I grab Lauren's and it's just so small she's got such wonderful eyes and it's just so small but did anyone ever just get a piece of paper and try to zoom in like this? Anyone ever? Yeah. Oh, it says, He will make straight your paths. All your paths. Not some of them and not maybe, but He will straighten all of your paths. So be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from some evil things in your life. No, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. And your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. <clears throat> My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, but be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves the one he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. I was going to stop there, but I want to keep going. So, so I, I, I highlighted it all instead. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. It's not just God's going to bless you. It's do wisdom, God will bless you. Come on now. It's turn away from that, turn towards this. I'm going to bless you. Amen. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For, from, sorry, for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit is better than gold. She's more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare to her. Who is she? Wisdom. Long life is at her hand, in her right hand. And in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and her paths are paths of peace. She's a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold fast to her are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth by understanding established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, they will be life to your soul, an adornment around your neck. Then you will walk your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you won't be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I'll give it to you when you have it with you right now. 
Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he's done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence or choose any of his ways. For the devious person's an abomination to God, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorner, he's scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. And the wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. Come on, let's pray. Lord God, thank you, thank you, thank you that we don't have to just wing it through life, but that there is wisdom in your word and that your Holy Spirit can minister wisdom into our hearts. God, we say yes to wisdom. We say yes to your word. We say yes to your ways. And we ask you, Lord God, that when we need reproof, reprove us, Lord God. When we need discipline, discipline us, Lord God. God, when we're doing the right thing, bless us, we pray, Lord God. But God, in all our ways, I just pray that you would help us to acknowledge you and that you would make our paths straight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, high five 87 of your neighbors and you may take your seats. All right, you can stop now. All right, all right, all right, all right. Like I said, there's a lot of scripture that speaks to our relationships, our state of mind, our finances, the health of our bodies, you know, and uh, scripture after scripture after scripture. But the above passage is just uh, an incredible um, little summation of uh, the way God will interact with us. And we see relationships, finance, health, long life, peace of mind uh, in that passage. And all of them are ways that God wants to prosper us. And so um, it's, it's not a simple just say you're a Christian and then, well, by golly, God's going to prosper my life. It's, it's not that simple. Um, be nice, but it's not that simple. Well, it wouldn't be nice, really, because we create terrible habits and our lives would fall apart anyway, right? Um, but for too many people, they would forsake health, forsake peace, forsake good relationships just to enjoy the prosperous finances. And we see that all the time in the world. And so I don't want to be the preacher that gets up here and says, just do what you want and God's going to bless your finances, um, but rather I want to encourage you to line every single area of your life up with God's Word, you know? What point is it to gain the whole world and lose, you know, lose your soul, you know? What point would it be to to gain all the finance in the world, but your wife hates your guts, your husband hates your guts, your kids are estranged from you, you know? Uh, People who enjoy prosperous finance, but disaster in every other area of their lives, find out quick, smart, and a hurry, Uh, that finance is not everything in your life. And um, uh, you can ask a lot of people who have forsaken all the other areas of their lives just to gain that, and they'll tell you. And I can tell you that prosperity that comes through the destruction of relationships and your health is not prosperity that came from God. If it comes from God, it's gonna be, it's it's gonna affect all the areas of your lives. Can I get an amen? Amen. God cares about your finances, no doubt about it. Uh, Finance is a massive portion of scripture, um, but I didn't want to spend four weeks saying God's going to bless your finances. Instead, I want to, over four weeks, um, show you that as you humble yourself, accept wisdom and do wisdom, that you will find the laws of nature and the laws of nature's God working for your benefit, because that's real prosperity. And what I mean by nature and nature's God 
is that God, Yahweh, God, um, has set the earth in motion a certain way. And when we're fighting against that motion, we're fighting against the design of God, and that's going to bring pain and struggle, poverty, grief, uh, sickness, and increased anxiety into our lives. But when we go with God, when we go with that motion that God set the world up to sort of function in, when we go with wisdom and do the things that God commands us to do in Scripture, then we're going to see pain decrease, poverty decrease decrease struggle, decrease grief and anxiety, decrease sickness even, will decrease in our lives. Um, For example, um, if you're standing up on a cliff and you're like, well, it's just been a boring few days and I just want to jump off this cliff, um, and then you jump off the cliff and on the way down you're praying, Lord, you know, this has been a fun moment, but could you now suspend the law of gravity? Um, You're going to find out quick, smart, and in a hurry that it was God himself who created the natural law of gravity, set it in motion, and is unlikely to say, you know what, I'm just going to let everything float from now on, you know? No, no, you, when you jumped off that cliff, you went against God's design, and the consequence was a sudden stop uh, at the other end, and so... Um, and so that, that God has set the earth in motion, okay? So there are natural laws, okay? And, and don't think that natural laws are against God. Natural laws are from God, okay? And so the, there's just a natural way things will happen. Sowing and reaping is a natural law that God instituted. And you will reap what you sow. Some people be, call it karma. We call it sowing and reaping. You will reap what you sow. It's a natural law, okay? And so if you think you can go punch some random guy in the face and then be like, Lord, don't let him hit me back. He's going to hit you back. It, it, you reap what you sow. You understand, yeah? And so applying biblical wisdom and prayer, of course, we're aligning our beliefs and our actions up with God's law, that is the laws of nature that God set in motion, and then we will see nature and its God, Yahweh, working for our benefit. And what a great life. What an amazing life when the laws of nature and nature's God are working for your benefit. Isn't that good? That's the life I want to live. When the laws of nature that God set in motion and God himself are actively working for for my benefit, in my mind, in my, in my heart, in, in my finances, in my health, um, uh, in my relationships, that is a blessed life. And so, like I said, the scripture I read today is just one of many scriptures um, because the word of God, see, God set the earth up to function a certain way and his word is in fact like a book of rules for life. Now, some people be like, they're like, the, the Bible's not a book of rules. They'll be like, it's a love letter. And I'm like, ugh, bleh. I'm like, like, yeah, he talks a lot about how much he loves me, but, um, but it is, in fact, a book of rules. It's saying, hey, 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 Jesse, God's saying, hey, Jesse, I set the world up this way, and, and here's the way that is, and here's what you should do within that, and this is what will happen because of that. You hear what I'm saying? 
And so I know that there's free will and other people can come and do dumb things to me and yada, yada, yada. Um, but, uh, but even then, God won't allow anything to happen to me that he doesn't have a plan and a way to make it bless my life and the life of those around me, okay? Um, but anyway, I digress. So we're going to have um, a fun four weeks. Um, next week, we're going to look at finances, not tithing specific, um, but just managing your finances in a way that honor God and in a way that God will bless, okay? Uh, we may even talk about investing and different things like that next week. That'll be fun. Um, I was going to do finances this week and then relationships um, next week. Um, but because I am going to preach on finances again later in the year, uh, when we do our, we always do a, a, a sermon on tithing um, and sowing and reaping. And so we're going to do that anyway. So what I thought I'd do is since um, a little rumor is that um, there's some like super big bowl that everyone's going to be looking at next week. And I heard that a lot of people won't be in church because there's like a big bowl next week, a super bowl next week. It's super, and it's a bowl. Anyway, and, um, and as much as I think that anyone who doesn't come to church next week is not a Christian, um, I am aware, I, I am solidly aware that every single year on Super Bowl weekend, church attendance drops by like 25%. And, um, and, um, but that's when the non-Christians stop coming for one week. And uh, I'm just messing with you. You do you, boo-boo. I'm not saying, some people are here and they're like, well, I was going to be here, but did he just say we don't have to because it's the Super Bowl? <coughs> no. I'm saying make church a priority, but I won't judge you for long if you don't come next weekend, okay? It just is what it is. And you know, can't fight the ocean. And so, but because of that, since I'm going to hit finances again later on in the year, I, I just didn't want anyone to miss the relationships message, okay? So I switched them around so that um, more people hear that this week. So, so next week, finances, um, what, what, what God says you should do with your coin and what he'll do with it too. Um, the week after that, I'm going to do physical health, literally how you can live longer Therefore, honoring God for longer on earth, right? Like, like we can live a longer life on earth. We can live a longer life and we can multiply our kingdom impact by living longer, right? Wouldn't that be awesome to live a little longer? Not for greed's sake, but so we can have a bigger, longer lasting kingdom impact on earth. Anyone else want that? And I know someone in here already, they just heard that and they're like, well, well, when your time's up and you know what, your days are numbered and you know what, that's great. Uh, my days are numbered and when my time's up, I hope it's because God said my time's up, not because I had a bad diet. Okay. And so some people already are like, I think I'm skipping that week and coming next week. <laughs> and so, but seriously, I, I don't want to use uh, the days of a man's life are numbered as an excuse, you know, just to hold a gun to my head every day and be like, you know, because people who say that, they, they also don't like play Russian roulette every day. Right. Well, the days are numbered, time's either up, it's not, you know, <laughs> you know, like same deal. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. <laughs> We're going to have some fun. Um, but can I tell you, it will be gracious and no one will leave feeling condemned. No one will leave feeling condemned, but inspired to live a longer life so they can serve God for longer on earth. Amen? Let time be up because God said, not because we didn't have self-discipline. Amen? And then the last week will be a sermon on a sound mind, a healthy mind. 
Uh, it'll deal a lot with anxiety. My friend, Pastor Troy Maxwell, is coming to preach that weekend because he has had a massive battle with anxiety a few years back in his life, wrote a book about it, uh, and he's going to talk to you about it as well. Sound good? So what I want to do right now is spend the next 31 minutes talking about friendships, but uh, general relationships with people in the church, okay? General, the most important friendships and relationships you'll have as a believer outside of your spouse, who hopefully is in the church too, is people in the church, okay? Uh, we all need to make an effort to be friendly. And um, I always talk about in DNA, um, people who like leave their last five churches and, you know, every single time they've had a complaint about how the people in that church are unfriendly, no one noticed me, no one ever talked to me, and it's been five churches over five years, and, and I think there's a solid chance that that person's part of the problem. <laughs> and I usually lead with that. What's DNA? DNA is the course at our church that we, um, that we teach for new people <laughs> to start serving. And, uh, and we just let them know straight up, if in the last five churches you've left with a complaint about how unfriendly everyone is, you're probably the problem, and that's okay, grace for yesterday, but you don't have to do that like that moving forward. If you go to church and stand in the lobby waiting for someone to come to you and introduce themselves to you to make you their friend, um, and then, you know, week after week after week, nobody talked to me, nobody invited me to coffee, nobody's ever asked me over for dinner, you know, nobody ever talks to me. And week after week after week, you're just standing in that lobby getting madder and madder and madder and watching people be friends over there, you know, and nobody's talking to me. After a while, you know, after a, quite a while, you, you, you just look so angry, so bitter and twisted that people aren't coming to talk to you anymore for self-preservation because you look like you're going to stab somebody. And so they're like, you know, you, you, you look nasty, you know, like, you know, you got people. And, and, and it's like, like, why can't you take responsibility for making your own friends? Like, why has everybody else got to make a friend of you? Why can't you do something about it, you know? And uh, why can't you walk up and be like, hi, what's up? How you doing? You know, how you doing? You know, why can't you do that? Why can't you invite? Why has everybody got to invite you to coffee? Why can't you invite anybody to coffee? Like, why? why? You know, after a while, people just, people just start, look, you, you know? Then you go to another church and do the same thing for a year. Like, we're, we're not children. We've got to be mature. You know, instead of blaming the world for our lack of relationships, we got to see what can I do about the lack of relationships in my life? You know, yeah, you may be weird. Actually, solid chance, actually, if five years, five churches, no friends. Can we be on it? That's all right. It's all right. All right. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying you're probably weird, you know. <clears throat> which means you're going to have to work a little harder. Yeah, you know, you can stand there judging everybody else, or at some point you can be like, all right, I've got to face it, I'm pretty weird. I'm going to have to do this myself. <laughs> Get over there and be like, hey, you know, I'm Jesse. You know, nice to meet you. I only have friends because I'm weird. <laughs> I'm like, I... You, I got, I'm friends with some really, really influential people in this country, and it's usually because I was like, 
Hello, I'm Jesse. No one ever, ever, no influential person in my life came and found me. Not one. Not a single one ever in my life came and found me. I was like, probably going to have to do this myself. So I went and said hello. And so weird people deserve friends too, but they usually got to work a little harder to get them. And that's all right. Just make peace with it and do the work. Can I get, like we're so busy out there noticing people not notice us. But if we noticed them not notice us, we noticed first. So we should do something about the noticing. Sorry to sound like Jack Sparrow, but do you know what I mean? We're so busy noticing people not notice us, getting mad about it. You notice them first, so go notice them. Say something. Look, I'm not making excuses. Yes, we should absolutely notice the person alone in the lobby. Yes. And yes, you should notice them too. And I'm sorry that there will always be someone not noticed in the lobby. It's a big church. It's a big church. We don't know everybody. But if you don't know, see, we don't know everybody, but if you don't know anybody, that's on you. It's true. It's true. It's brutal, but it's true. Or you could spend the rest of your life wishing someone would make a friend for you. You've got to put yourself out there. It's okay. You can be like, hey. Like if you're like 55 and super weird and a dude, like maybe just like don't try to make a friend of the 14-year-old girls. You know? Like that's some solid advice, right? But like make a friend with somebody, you know? Sometimes the reputations can be avoided, you know? One day after church, I was going to go out with some friends and um, we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time. And... Um, and anyway, so know, about five or six of us, we're going to go out, we're going to have a good time. And um, the, uh, uh, someone else was a little disappointed that they weren't invited. And that's all right. Okay. So we had a growth moment where I explained to my friend that I wasn't invited either. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going. Because I was over there and I heard them talking. I was like, can I come? And they said, sure. Because honestly, at that point, what are they going to do? Like, like, actually, we were thinking just us. Nah, now I'm going. So I told my friend, yeah, I wasn't invited either. So I invited myself. And you can do that too. You know what I mean? Like, like how immature do you got to be standing near people going out for lunch wishing you're invited? Like right now, I'm saying after church today. Like, there's going to be some people going out to lunch. You're going to hear people making plans. <laughs> and they're not going to invite you. Because as we've established, you're weird. So, invite yourself. Invite yourself to my house today. 
I'm gonna say no. <laughs> but you can try. <laughs> right? There was once an old man going for his morning walks. And um, he was just hanging out outside of town. He got a little tired, he sat on a bench. A few moments later, a traveler stumbled upon him. He greeted the traveler and the traveler told him that they were looking to relocate to this picturesque little town. The traveler asked the old man, what are the people like in this town? The old man replied with a question and he said, tell me, traveler, what were the people like where you come from? The traveler said, the people from my old town were mean, untrustworthy, horrible, detestable people. And the old man said, well, sadly, you're going to find the people of this town will be just the same. The traveler walked away disappointed. And then a few moments later, a second traveler stumbled upon the old man. The old man greeted him and, they, and found out they're also looking at relocating to this picturesque town. The second traveler asked the old man, what are the people like in this town, old man? And the old man replied with a question, tell me. What were the people like where you were from? And the traveler said, the people from my old town were honest, kind, hardworking people, generous to a fault. And I was really sad to leave. And the old man said, you'll find the people in this town will be just the same. And the traveler walked away excited about the next chapter in their lives. All this to say, a lot of how good your friendships are is going to be on you. And the thing I hear people complain about the most, and I'm going to put on the, the pastoral whip-cracking disciplinarian hat for a moment. The thing I hear the most, the biggest complaint I get, and yes, this is a big church, but I grew up in small church and in both settings. The thing I hear the most is I don't have any friends. And as much as I want to be like, oh, they're there. <laughs> After some period of time, you got to do something about it. You got to do something about it. And that's easy for some people to hear and brutal for others. I know. We're not, we don't all have the same level of skill sets when it comes to making friends. We also don't have the same level of skill sets when it comes to finances or health or other things but we've got to take the responsibility on ourselves, amen? And to be a better part of this church family, you need to switch from they need to, to I need to, amen? So since I spent the entire last 30 minutes doing an introduction, I'm gonna spend the next 20 minutes giving you four points on good friendship from Colossians chapter three, and we can do it in four minutes. Sorry, in 20 minutes. Last service I went over by four minutes. I expect the same courtesy. And so, <laughs> so Colossians chapter three, are you ready? Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, Bearing with one another. The worst line in there, right? Bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you should also forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds them all together. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read the next three uh, verses, okay? You can read them on your own. 
Uh, that was Colossians 3, 12 to 17. The first thing I think the most important thing when you come to a church or you're in a church, you've been in it for years or weeks, um, if you want to have meaningful friendships and if you want to be, um, if you want to be a, a meaningful part of the church body, the bride of Christ, you're going to need to work on humility. I was going to say be humble, um, but I feel like <clears throat> some people might then be like, um, um, uh, some people then might be like, you know, well, I am humble. You know, and I want it to be more like it's something. No matter how humble you are, be more humble. You know, be more humble. Um, it says to put on humility. It's like clothing. Humility is not something that you have forever. It's a daily grind. You've got to put it on and then put it back on, and it dissolves. You know, it's like clothes that dissolve by the end of the day. You, the next day, you got to put them back on again. You've got to put on humility, you know. Um, uh, even when you're already the humblest person who ever lived, okay? I used to say to people, um, I got, this joke was inspired by Moses, actually. I used to say that I'm the humblest guy that you'll ever meet, and that's something I'm bloody proud of, you know? And, um, but uh, it was a joke. Um, but Moses, how, how humble do you have to be to write Scripture yeah. and in it, about yourself, right? Moses, comma, the humblest man who walked the earth. <laughs> and it be true, because it's scripture and all scripture is God breathed. Like how humble do you gotta be to be that? And you know what, you know what that really means? Because you know what humility is? It's an accurate representation of who you are and what you need. And, 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 and what that really is, to, you can't be saved without humility. Humility is, God, I need you. And in one respect, Moses is saying, out of all the people on the earth, no one's ever needed you more than I have. I need you, God. Humility is understanding that I need God and that I don't have everything together, that I might sometimes actually be the problem, you know? And that's obvious. When Lauren and I have fights, if anyone ever heard about it, they would assume that I was the problem. <laughs> but I would assume that she's the problem. Right? Because that was what we do. We always assume the problem is everybody else, especially in marriage, you know? Humility is understanding that I might be the problem. I might be overreacting. I might be making a mountain out of a molehill. But also... It's humility also is when I'm not the problem, recognizing that I have absolutely been the problem. Do you see that? Like, like, and so you might not be the problem, the friction that's going on in the situation with you and another believer in your church right now. If you're watching online, because no, no friction in here, you know, come, come visit us. No friction in here. But for all you people that go to other churches and are watching online, if there's some friction in your church between you and somebody else right now, humility recognizes that even if you're right, you have been wrong. Therefore, you give them the grace that you received or should have received when you were wrong. Amen? Amen? The next one is forgive one another even when they don't ask. This is just steps to how to have a healthy church relationships, okay? The next one is forgive one another even when they don't 
ask. Forgive. It doesn't say forgive people if they grovel and beg. Nope. Forgive one another. <clears throat> forgive. In fact, let's go back to the passage for a second. What did it say? If one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. I do love the each other too. Someone might be like, they had a problem with me. Oh my goodness. No, forgive that too. They're going to forgive you. You're going to forgive that. We're going to move on. Yeah? Forgive one another. But it, even if they don't ask, like Joseph, Joseph's brothers did not ask for forgiveness and Joseph forgave them. Joseph's brother. Now, if you're new to church, right, listen to, listen to this. Joseph's brothers beat him, threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery for many, 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 many years. He went to jail, got beat up in jail, all these other things, yada, yada. <clears throat> Joseph got beat up. Then later on in life, Joseph now got elevated out of prison and became like the president of the country. And then his brothers come and they need food. And then his brothers, after a period of time, come to the understanding, the realization that Joseph is who is their brother that they sold into slavery. Then their dad dies, because Joseph loved their dad, loved his dad. And then their dad dies, and their hearts get full of fear. And you might think, no, 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 there was forgiveness. I remember, there was asking. Listen to this, Genesis chapter 50, um, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw their dad was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. Now, at that point, that'd be a solid moment to say, so we should go ask for forgiveness. Not what they did. They made up a lie, fabricated a story, wrote a lying letter, and knelt on it, said this. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. So please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And so Joseph wept when he spoke to them. Uh, his brothers came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said, do not fear. They couldn't even ask for forgiveness without lying. They said, daddy said, forgive us. So do what daddy said. And Joseph forgave them. Man, we all want everybody to come and grovel before our feet, don't we? Oh yeah, we'll forgive you, but humble yourself before me. Bend your knee before me and beg for forgiveness. Nope, they lied, he forgave. They lied. We're called to do the same. We're called to, we cannot have a, a healthy church environment if you won't forgive one another. See, when this was written, church was hard to come by. There's one in the city. Colossians was written to the church in Colossia, to the Colossian church. To the one church in that city, to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Corinth. There's a church in each city. So you've got to forgive your brother because you're going to be in church together. Right? Now, though, now we're like, we got other churches. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't have to forgive Dusty now because I can just wipe the dust off my feet and I can go to hope now and I don't have to deal with it. Hey, maybe you might go the other direction. I'm not picking on one church over another. I'm just saying we, we got so many church options now 
that we think we don't need to grow in our faith anymore, that we think we don't got to forgive anymore. Because, well, I can go somewhere else. See, back then they had one option, forgive or get out. And outside of church, you will not grow. There's no such thing as a mature Christian who does not go to church. No such thing. So their options were forgive or stop growing as a Christian. I might put it to you, you have the same options now. Forgive or go somewhere else and stop growing as a Christian. Not because you're not here, but because you put a blockage up now because instead of growing through the offense, you build a wall around it and left it there. You won't grow. That's not Christian maturity, church. We got to grow. Or maybe in a church like Eternity, because it's a big church, and we got three services, maybe you don't leave. You're like, I love the church too much. I don't need to leave, but I am not going to the 1030 service anymore. Because I don't want to deal with Dusty. Right? Hands up if you've changed services to avoid someone. No, don't put your hands up. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. So if the pastor offends you, you don't forgive, you just move on. The kids' church worker offends you, you don't forgive, you just find a new church. The janitor didn't get that three-ply plush soft toilet paper that you've been asking for, so you write a bad review and move on to the next church. Come on now. Come on. Forgive. Forgive each other. But they didn't ask. Oh, well. What are you, God? People got to bow down before you? You do your part. Let Leave their part to them and God. Should they ask for forgiveness? Yes. Definitely they should. If they're aware it happened. But if they don't, what are you going to do? Stay bitter and twisted for the rest of your life? No, let's grow. Let's forgive. Let's bear with one another. Can I get an amen? Amen. You want to get the next one? Put up with people. Even when they act like people. Put up with people. Even when they act like people. You know, people be like, well, these people in this church, they don't act Christ-like. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do, but will never be perfect. Jesus was fully God and fully human. Fully God and fully man. We're just fully man. And Jesus lives in us. Solid chance we're going to act like people a lot. No, you're not going to find a perfect church full of perfect people, and if you do, you're going to destroy it, so run away. Run away. Run away, quick, smart and hurry. Come on now. In this church, you're going to have to put up with me. And it's going to be hard. I just feel like if I can just be really hard to put up with, I'll set the bar real high and I'll make it really easy for you to bear with everyone else. That's the goal. 
Bear with one another. It's a posture of your heart that says, if the teaching is sound, I'll bear with the people. Just stop searching for perfect people. Stop searching for people that won't offend anybody and be in a church where the message, where the preacher offends everybody. Come on. Stop searching for a church that doesn't offend anyone and make sure you find a church where the preacher is willing to offend the world. Amen? Bear with one another. We've got to bear with one another. We're going to do this together for many years. For many, many years. And hey, by the way, I'm not talking about when, like I know people have left churches because there's been some serious spiritual abuse. Pro tip, spiritual abuse was not, they didn't pay me for volunteering. Like we have people go to Bible college now and the the Bible college expects them to volunteer like 10 or 15 hours a week because they want to be a minister. And people start writing reviews about spiritual abuse. Oh my gosh, they work just like slaves. We have to work 15 hours a week. The apostle Paul would beat the snot out of you. He would just crack a whip and beat the living snot out of you for that review. We're like, oh my God. And now that's created this environment in the world now where people are like, if a church expects people to be Christians and volunteer, that it's spiritual abuse. Just get behind me, Satan. And go somewhere else. No. (laughs) No, don't go somewhere else. Get over it right? But there really are places where people are spiritually abused, where ministers have been dictators, where people have been horrible, bad things have happened and you've had to leave. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm not talking about that. And there are churches where the gospel is not preached. There are churches that don't preach about the same Jesus. They've gone woke and they're preaching a fake gospel about a Jesus that affirms everything and it is my desire to drive a spear through the heart of every woke church in Des Moines and decimate them and see all their people find the truth of a biblical relationship with God right here, my goal. But come on, if you left your last church because someone was mean to you, like someone in the crowd just offended you, Go back there, because you're going to be very annoying here in six months. (laughs) And I would rather you not tithe here for six months. We'd rather not have your money and not have your drama. Go back there and fix it, okay? If you left because they're woke, stay here, but still deal with the offense and forgive, okay? Is this all right? It's all right? Yeah. Sorry, if you are new... Hands up if you're new today. No, just kidding. <laughs> now, nah, trust me, we are growing not because people are leaving churches offended, but because they're leaving churches because their preacher won't offend anyone. And that's good. Get out. Get out, okay? So don't, trust me, I'm not judging new people. We've grown from new people. But I don't want you to be here all offended at, um, at good churches. You know? Anyway, lastly, 
I know I said four minutes, let's just give me five. The last one is love one another. And I'll get through this one pretty quick because I've preached on it recently. But love one another. It's a choice, not a feeling. Okay? Love one another. Okay? Um, Liking people is a feeling. Yeah, you know? Like I said to my wife, there's a season where I loved her, but I didn't like her. It's reciprocal, just FYI. <laughs> With Lauren, she would say there, there was a season where I loved him and liked him. For me, it's the other way, you know. <laughs> no, you like me. Do you like me? Yeah, good. And um, today. But like, always, love is a choice. God can't command feel. He's not going to command us to feel things. But he will command us to do things like love your wife. And after a period of time of me loving her, I started to like her again. Yeah, and I really like my wife. And I want to tell you that if, if, like, you may not feel like you like some people in your church, but if you choose to love them, the way you treat them might change the way you feel about them later on. And you might actually come to like them too, you know? So you're going to get a lot of emotions in your life. Emotions are data. Data, sorry. Emotions are data. They're not commands. They're data. What you do with the data is up to you. I like to say that um, emotions are good guides, you know? They're good companions to have with you. They make life a bit more spicy and fun, but they're really bad leaders. Emotions are really, really bad leaders. So we've got to love one another and choose to love one another. Regardless of what the data, we go, data comes in, we're like, ah, all right, thank you, emotions. But that's actually not what happens, so I'm going to do this. See, we're supposed to be like the mob at Eternity Church, where we just love, 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 where, where don't you go to worry about nobody. We got you. Do you know what I mean? We, we got you at Eternity Church. We want to look after you, you know? The family of believers, whether it's a small church or a big church, you know, if, if you're willing to ask for help, we should have, we've got people, not should have, we do. We've got people, if your finances are a mess, they will sit down with you, go through your budget line by line, all the drama, and help you make your life work. we got people to help you. We may even help you for a, a week with your groceries or something like that, you know what I mean, to get you to the other side of that budget. But, but come on, we can help you. We've got to love each other. We're going to choose to do love, to provide for, to care for, to pray for, to welcome, to hug each other. Because we're the bride of Christ. And the devil is working overtime to tear the bride of Christ apart. He's already deceived what seems like half the American church into following a false, fake, and fruitless imitation of Jesus Christ. The state of the church in the USA is sad. So many churches have abandoned the truth of God and exchanged it for a lie. It seems like, it feels like God has just given them over to the lusts of their hearts. So imagine finding a church that has not abandoned the truth of God, full of people that love the whole Word of God, a church that loves to worship, a church that loves the Word of God, of which we are not the only one in Des Moines, okay? We're not. We might not even be the best. But imagine finding a church like that, then after years of growth or weeks of growth or months of growth, whatever it is, 
Instead of dealing with my hurt or offense, I just leave, partner with the devil in tearing down the church because someone else other than me needed grace too. Hey, grace for yesterday. But come on, the most important people we need to love are the people in this room. When Scripture says, love one another, the world has turned that around and they just want to be like, well, no matter what anybody's doing, love, 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 love. And it's not even it. Number one, love doesn't say cut your genitals off. Love doesn't say kill that baby. Love doesn't say have a marriage that's completely opposed to God's plan and will have zero favor of God in your life. That's not love anyway. That's not love. That is nasty. I wouldn't do that to someone I hate. It's nasty. Love, 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 love. But even if, so even if that was, if, if it was talking about loving the world, that ain't it. But this passage is not talking about loving the world. Every love one another in scripture is written to disciples telling them to love each other. It's telling me to love you and you to love Dusty and Dusty to love me. The most important people we're called to love is each other, to look after each other, to care for each other, amen? Well, turns out I did only need the four. Can I get a mature Christian amen on this sermon? Yeah, amen? Why'd I preach this? Well, figured I should preach it while we're growing. Because like on a downhill, that's not gonna look good. Why y'all leaving, sinners? <laughs> Didn't think that would come across very healthy. But I'm not just talking about, because I, I, I don't want people to leave healthy churches because there's unhealthy people in them. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to grow at the expense of other good, godly, truth-preaching churches. You know? I just want to drive a stake through the heart of the woke ones, the ungodly ones. Now, I'm not saying go back where you came from, although every week online someone says that to me. You think I'm joking? They do. They do. It's funny, isn't it? Everyone acts like it's the right wing that's xenophobic and doesn't want immigrants. <laughs> I've never had a right winger tell me to go home. But anyway, there is that. So do what you want with that piece of data. <laughs> yeah. So I don't even know what I was talking about anymore, baby. Can you help me? You don't either, do you? not telling you to go back where you came from. That's what it was. But I am saying, like seriously, grace for yesterday. You know, and I don't want you to uproot your family again because you left poorly somewhere else. Okay. But I do want you to do it different this time. Just like if somebody got divorced and then got remarried, I don't want you to get divorced again and go back over there. I just want you to do it better now. You know what I mean? So let's just do it better now, you know? And just make peace with the fact that someone here is going to hurt your feelings. 
And I'm sorry, and we shouldn't hurt your feelings. I'm not making excuses. We shouldn't, but we will. Because people, we're going to people. Amen. Praise God. So let me pray for you, and then you can get out of Dodge. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.